Welcome again. We're glad you're here. Um, if you don't notice, we have new chairs today. Um, and so, and it's warm, right? So last week he was out. And, um, and so two things, um, it's warm and you have a comfy seat to sit in. So no falling asleep or I'm bringing the pews back and we're turning the heat back off. So um, that's just, that's the way it goes. So, hey, we're really excited about um, th this week. We wrap up our, our current series and we, um, next week we move into a new teaching series um, as we look forward to Christmas. And so we're going to do a three-week um, series in Christmas. And so um, I'll, I'll, if you'll notice on your chairs today, um, there's some invite cards. And so um, it's, it's really our desire to, to be a church um, that has an, an invitation culture. Um, and so we believe that people bring people. Um, some studies recently uh, show us that um, people first come to church. Um, two percent uh, of people come to church because of marketing and advertising. Um, another another six percent come because if the pastor invites them, right? So that's me. If I invite them, only six percent of people come. But eighty-six percent of people came to church for the first time because a family member or a friend invited them to come. Um, and so, so we desire that, 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 that we would be a church that brings people with us. And so um, we have those invite cards for you to take with you so that you can invite people to join us um, this Christmas uh, for our first ever uh, Christmas Eve service. And so I hope that you... Um, we'll invite somebody to, to gather with us, somebody to come with you, to sit with you um, <clears throat> this Christmas Eve. Um, and so, so yeah. So I, um, we're continuing our series um, in, in, in the book of Ephesians. We're wrapping it up. Um, we've been, uh, for the last 10 weeks, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. Um, and, and we've simply uh, called this Seeking God and Recovering the Church because ultimately um, it's our desire that, that we would pursue after Jesus with everything in us. And, and then we would get back to what the, what the church was meant to be and how we were supposed to live out our calling as Jesus followers. And so if you have your Bible, we're in Ephesians chapter 5 today, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and so, so here's what we're going to do. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to do Ephesians 5, and then we're going we're gonna to hit pause on Ephesians um, for four weeks, okay? And we're going to do a Christmas series, um, a standalone, and then January 7th, we're going to come back, and we're going to finish Ephesians out, but um, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to uh, call it an, uh, something different um, as we look at, um, as we look at recalibrating our marriages, um, recalibrating our parenting, our work, and our faith, and so that'll be in January, though. So, so that's kind of some of the things coming up, and so let me, let me just read our passage for today, and we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, here is what Paul writes. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, a worship, worshiping the things of this world. 
Don't be fooled by those who try and excuse these sins, for they, uh, for, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything that God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Um, we, th we thank you that, that, that we are not uh, left to uncover and figure this out. What, what we're supposed to do on our own. Um, but, but, but rather you have, you have revealed your good and perfect word to us so that we can follow you by grace. Lord, we need you today. I, I pray, Lord, over the next few moments that as we work through this passage that, that our hearts and our affections for you would grow and be stirred. I pray that we would go, that, that we would just go hard after you to know you and walk with you and be with you. Jesus, we need you. And so I ask and I pray that you would be with us in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, and so Paul starts off here by, says, by saying, imitate God in everything you do. Imitate God in everything you do. Now, I don't know about you. When I read that, that feels very overwhelming. Um, like when I, when I think about who God is, the creator of the universe, and I, and I think about, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to imitate God in everything I do. Man, that is feels unbelievably impossible to do. Um, that, that feels unbelievably impossible to do. And so, so we have to understand, right? Like this is what we've said this whole series, that you have to read this in context of the whole letter, okay? Because for the first three chapters of this letter, Paul is unpacking the truth of the gospel, that you and I could never be good enough in and of ourselves to make ourselves right with God. And so we needed Jesus to come and mediate that and reconcile us to God through the cross and resurrection. And so it is the gospel which is the foundation upon which we live our lives. It is the grace and mercy of God. And so all of us are in progress, okay? Um, all of us are in progress. Uh, we, we believe that the Christian faith, that our faith journey is, is about progress over perfection. That all of us will live this out imperfectly until we go to be with Jesus forever. That, that, that all of us are learning every single day how to follow him more and more and more. And so it's, it's in light of the truth of the gospel that Paul has spent most of this letter unpacking that he then comes to this very practical, practical explanation of how we should live our life here in Ephesians chapter 5. That we have to read this in light of the truth of the gospel. That we could never 
We could never do it on our own, but because of our pursuit of the Lord, we are growing more and more like him every day. And so we come here, and and when Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, um, we have to understand what he's saying here, okay? Um, because because really the, this idea of imitate, really, really um, it carries with this idea that we should follow after Jesus, okay? We should follow after Jesus. Um, in this time period, um, most of the teachers of uh, religious uh, uh, scriptures um, had what they called uh, disciples or, or apprentices, Okay, and so so you would have this rabbi who was a a a, a teacher, and he typically um, he he basically served two functions. Um, number one, the first function is that he would help people understand what the scripture meant. Okay, so so he would he would teach the scripture and help people understand what it meant. And second thing that he would do, his primary purpose is he would help people know how to live it out. So so not only knowing but also living. No, not just knowing, but also living. You see, this is what the, the whole Christian faith is essentially about. It's not just about knowing a lot about God, knowing a lot about the Bible. It's not just about what we know, because at the end of the day, knowledge without application just makes us prideful. But we have to begin to learn to, to live out what has been said. And so this is how rabbis would function in this day. They would help people not just know about God, but they would help people live out what they learned about God, to to apply it to their life. And so when Paul says that, hey, we need to imitate God in everything we do, he's saying, he's essentially saying that that we should should imitate Jesus in everything we do, that we should look um, to Jesus as the ultimate teacher, right? And we should not only do the, we should not only know the things that Jesus taught, but that we should live the way Jesus lived. That, that as followers of Jesus, we are called to, to live the way of Jesus. That this is what it means to imitate God, that we the only living flesh example of what God is like is, excuse me, is Jesus. And so when Paul says imitate him in everything we do, that this is what we do. And so um, here, here's, here's what else he says. He says, imitate God in everything you do. He says, because you are his dear children. Because you are his dear children. So number one, we know that God loves us like a father loves their kids. And, and I'm, I'm still, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm still, fi- I, I have, we have three kids and I'm still figuring out this parenting thing, okay? I haven't got it figured out yet. Um, I, I haven't got it everything, but, but here's one of the things I've learned in, in, the, in the few years I've been a parent, that at the end of the day, for kids, more is caught than taught. For kids, more is caught than taught, which, which basically means that they are watching you. Kids are watching the way you um, interact with others. The kids are watching the way you respond to them when they don't do something right. Kids are watching, and it is by watch, they are going to remember the watching you do things more than they're going to remember the things you uh, said to them, right? Like, like I, I can remember very few speeches that my parents gave me, and I'm sure I got a lot, um, but, but, but I can remember as a high schooler getting up um, in the morning to go to early morning basketball practice and seeing my dad at the kitchen table reading his Bible. I remember that. 
Like, like I, I remember seeing my parents prioritize gathering with the church family. I don't remember them saying, I, I don't remember them ever saying, church is important, we need to go. I remember saying, hey, hey, time to get up, time to go to church. Every single Sunday, right? Like, like, the, the, I, remember, like I watched my parents, and this is how kids learn. In fact, I'm in high school, uh, my senior year, it was either take another math class or take uh, child development. I chose child development, okay? Um, and math is, I'm I, I, not a fan. Um, that's why we have calculators. And so, man, guys, you got rough this morning. That was funny. That was good. So, um, so it's okay to laugh in church. This should be, it's okay. I promise. Um, and, and so, uh, but, but in the child development, I remember learning this idea that, that for, for when a child is developing, especially in their early years, it's so important for them to be able to, to see and watch. Like this is how they learn fine motor, uh, gross motor skills. This is how they learn how social skills is by watching, watching others, watching their siblings, watching their parents. And this is the same idea here is that we watch the way Jesus lived his life. Not just the things he said, and, th- and those are important too, and we wanna, we wanna hold to those, but, but, but we also want to watch the way he lived his life, and we want to, by God's grace, learn to live our lives the way Jesus lived his life. Like we want to imitate God in everything we do, like kids watching their parents, like kids watching their parents. And so, Paul then goes into um, the, the next, next part here. He, he, he starts off with this, but, but then he goes into this next part and he unpacks three ways that we imitate God in a world that is trying to flee from God. Like, like I don't think any of us would disagree that, that following Jesus, imitating God in the culture and world we live in is becoming increasingly difficult. That, that, that this is not, not what we, we as followers of Jesus, we are no longer applauded. Um, it's no longer a social norm to be part of a church family. In fact, I, uh, somebody was recently telling me that here in the foothills where we live, you know, um, that basically it is 93% of the foothills um, are not engaged in church in any way. 90, so 7% of the foothills are in church. 93% is not. So, so it is becoming increasingly um, odd for people to, to gather as a local church. It's increasingly odd for people to follow Jesus in our world and culture. And so, so Paul be, then begins to unpack, hey, what, how does the church imitate God together? How do they do this in light of a world that is far from God? And so this is what he says, starting in verse two. Here's the first one. Uh, He says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so here's here's the first mark, okay? The first mark uh, of being a church in in this community is, is that we live a life filled with love. We live a life filled with love. Okay, we live a life filled with love. Love is an action word, okay? Uh, love is a verb. Um, it, it, it is, um, the, the culture would define love as a, a, a love of self, okay? Um, you, you need to do what's best for you. You need to take care of you. You need to love yourself. Um, but, but, but Jesus would define love completely different. He would say that love is equal to sacrificing for others. Love is equal to sacrificing for others. 
Jesus uh, said it this way um, in, in John. He, said, he says, greater love has no one than this than someone that lays down his life for his friend. Someone that lays down his life for his friend. John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses in all the world. says, for God so loved that he what? That he gave. It didn't say that he took. It doesn't say that, 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 that he, he made stuff, right? Like he gave his only son. And so, so over and over again, we see God, who is the author of love, defining for us what it is to love. And love is about sacrificing for God and for others. The, it's, it's about sacrificing for God and for others. That, that this is how love is, and this is how we are to love that, that we sacrifice what we want for the good of others. Love is not this romantic, comedy, Hallmark movie feeling that we see on TV all the time. Love romantic comedies and Hallmark movies. But, but, but in those, love is this fleeting feeling. And at the end of the day, love is a choice that we make to, to hey, I, I am going to lay down what, I, what is good for me for the good of someone else. And this is how we are to interact with our, one another, and this is how we are to interact with the world. We love because we have been loved. And so, so we, this, is, this is what he says. He says that we live a life filled with love. We live a life filled with love. And then he begins to address some, some cultural things um, in, in, how we, in how we do this, okay? Verse three, he says, let there be no sexual immorality impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Such sins have no place among God's people. So um, sexual immorality, and let's talk about that a little bit, impurity. Um, and so, so here's, we're not gonna get into to a lot, into depths, and, but, but, but here's essentially what this, this word um, in the original language is, is pornea, okay? Um, sexual morality is translated from the word pornea, and I'll let you figure out what word we get from that. Um, and, and, so, and, so, and so this is the idea. It's any time that we, we approach sex outside of God's way. Okay? Anytime we, we think that we know how life works best, we think we're smarter than God, we think that, that okay, God, I, I, I know that you say sex should function in this uh, way in, inside of the, the context of marriage, inside of that, that, that commitment to one another, but I really like this person, right? And so sexual immorality in any form is sin because at the end of the day, it is a love for self over a love for God and others. That, 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 that sex outside of God's way is ultimately saying that I love myself and my, what, what I declare is my needs and what I declare as, as what, what I have to have over the, 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 the love that I have for God and for other people. I don't, I don't, see, um, I don't see my partner um, as an image bearer of God. I see them as someone who is there to fill my needs. And this is what sexual marriage is. It's about you, the love of self displayed in that form. 
And so, so, so Paul is saying, hey, that's not supposed to be named among you. Like that, that's not way God intended. That's not the way God wants it because it's not about you. We are to be filled, live lives filled with love, which means that, hey, it, it, I may suffer because of this, but it is for the love of God and for the good of others. And so he says, he says, don't let sexual morality and purity be among you. Then he goes and he says, or greed. Now, I think that's funny that greed is thrown in here. And here's ultimately what greed is. Greed is the insatiable desire for more. It's the the ravenous desire that I've got to have more. It's the belief that if I just get enough stuff, if I just get to this place in my bank account, if I just arrive here, then I will be happy. I will be satisfied. I will be fulfilled. My life will be, have meaning and be complete. And yet what I would say and what scripture would say is that you, what happens is that if you get there, you will find that it is not as satisfying as you hoped it would be. That, that, that this pursuit of more, like, like and, and here's what we know, we're, we're in Christmas time, we're shopping, right? Like, like what we find is when we get that gift, how long does that gift satisfy us? That thing we've been wanting all year long, maybe if it's really good, maybe a couple of weeks. If it's average, maybe a few hours. And it, and it does not satisfy us for long. It does not fulfill us as much as we hoped it would. And this is greed. It's like, it, it's just putting hope in the things of the world over trusting that God is enough. Trusting that God is enough. And this is what he says down in verse five. He says, he says, um, he says for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world. That this is, this is ultimately that ultimate pursuit of more leads us to. It leads us to worshiping the things that God has created and given us for good, for his good and for his glory and for our good to enjoy. Instead of allowing those things to cause us to look up and worship him, those things get stuck on ourselves. It's a love of self. It's a love of self. Like, so, so you have sexual immorality, you have, you have greed, and you, you have these ideas that, that these things, um, when, when, we, when we pursue these things outside of God's way, then ultimately they, they, they lead to love of self. And I, and I would just say, I'm going to go back to this because I meant to say this a second ago, but, but sexual immorality, like, I would just say, sex is a good thing, okay? Like, we are not anti-sex here. We believe sex is a, is a gift from God. We believe, it, like, I, I don't think God was like, created Adam and Eve and then walked in, walked in one day and said, like, oh no, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't think that that's the case, but rather, rather sex is a blessing from the Lord and is meant to cause our hearts to worship him that he would give us such a good gift. And so, and so, so sex, the things of this world that we pursue after, like all of these things are gifts from God, but they're ultimately meant to lead to worship of God. And when we, when we put our hope in these things rather than God himself, it leads to idolatry. It's ultimately about a love, and idolatry is a love of self. It's a love of self. He also says this in verse four. He says, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
often what I've found in my own life is, is when I am using um, crude language and, and, and I am speaking in ways that ultimately do not honor God, I find myself laughing at a joke that is inappropriate. When, when, oftentimes it is because I am seeking to please those around me and make other people around me happy with me praise me, think that I'm a funny person, think, think that, that, that I'm a, a, a regular, normal guy. Like, and so, so it's about me. That, that, that oftentimes foolish talk is about me and what I want, how I want others to perceive me and how I want others to think of me. And this is, and this is a problem because ultimately these things, like, like, like these things reveal our heart. Um, scripture, Jesus, Jesus says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the things that we say reveal what's actually going on in our heart. Um, I, I, I knew like, before we moved out here, I was in Kinsey, I was a pastor out there, and, um, and there, was a, there was a guy, and, and, and he, he would get drunk, okay? And when he would get drunk, um, he would say really terrible things. He would just say really terrible things. And I remember um, having a conversation with some of his family members and they would say, well, it's just the alcohol talking. No, the alcohol may have loosened the self-control of his lips, but what he is saying is actually what is in his heart. That it is from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so, so when we are using those things, that, that, those things have, have rooted themselves in our heart and we have to uproot them. We have to fight against them. And ultimately, those things reveal our heart. And so rather than, than these, we should live our lives filled with gratitude to God, is what he says here in verse 4. That our lives should be filled with thankfulness to God. That this is how we should live. The second way that, that he unpacks here for us, so we live a life filled with love, and we also should live a life filled with light. We should also live a life filled with light. A few years back, I got to go duck hunting for the first time. Um, and it was awesome, loved it. Um, but, but I get out there with my buddy who's taking me um, and uh, we're in Missouri. And so, so we are going into, um, essentially it's a flooded cornfield. They flooded for duck season. Um, and, and, and he had drawn into this pool. And so, so we're, we're walking out there and I've, I've, I've never been duck hunting, um, but when you get there at like four in the morning, okay? So it's pitch black and I forgot my headlamp. Um, and so we're walking out, we're, we're hauling all these decoys out to this pond. And, and as, we're, as we're getting out there, um, as, as we're getting out there, man, I, I'm just telling you, we're walking through waist deep water in the pitch black. I can't see my hand in front of my face. I can see absolutely nothing. All I can see is the little light on top of my buddy's head in front of me. That is the only light that I can see. Now, and, and all that's going through my mind is every um, horror movie that I've ever seen where somebody's walking through waist deep water in the dark and all of a sudden they're just gone, right? Like that's what's going through my mind. Um, and uh, luckily that didn't happen. But, but, but this, is, this, is, this is the idea here. This is the idea here in verse eight. It says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Only what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose them. And so 
And so, and so when we live as light, because when we put our faith in Jesus, we have the light of him. So now we are no longer walking in darkness. Like if you've ever been in a room that's pitch black and you're trying, you know there's a light switch somewhere on the wall and you're just like feeling around everywhere trying to find that light switch. Like that's like, that, that, that's like who we are before Christ. Um, we're, we're in a pitch black room trying to find our way, trying to navigate our way, but we have no idea where we're going, no idea which way to go. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we now have the lights turned on and we can see and look around us and see which way we are supposed to go. And this is how we live our life. And so we live our lives filled with light, not only for our good, but also for the good of others. That, that our light, our different way of living is attractive to those who are walking in darkness. When we are living lives filled with love, the, the light becomes very attractive. The light becomes very attractive. And so we choose to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. We become the light of the world. We reflect the light of Jesus to the world around us. And so we live our lives filled with love and we live our lives filled with light, awakening, the, the shining the light to those around us. And thirdly, we live our lives filled with wisdom. We live our lives filled with wisdom. This is what he says in verse 15. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, so ultimately what wisdom is, it's taking the knowledge it's taking the knowledge given to us by God and applying it to our lives the way God says we should apply it to our lives. So, so, when, so, so just having knowledge is not enough. We have to know how to apply that knowledge. That we have to know how to apply that knowledge. That this is essentially what wisdom is and it begins by fear of the Lord, but by a healthy view and understanding of who God is and all that he has done and accomplished for us. This is, this is where wisdom begins because if we don't have a healthy view of who God is, then we will never be able to apply the knowledge he's given us in the way he desires us to apply it. We'll never be able to do that. Like, like sometimes I think we adopt ideas. We adopt ideas and, and, we, and we look at things in our world and it sounds really good on the surface, but, but, but when we begin to dig under that, we would say, okay, that actually doesn't align with what God has said at all. That, 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 that's not actually the way God wants things to work. Listen, I think, I think we have an enemy that's way more clever than we give him credit for. Like, I, I think sometimes we just think uh, when we're going to be tempted with something, the enemy's just going to show up on our door in a, in a red suit and, and, and a pitchfork, right? Like, I don't know about you, he's never shown up to me that way, um, but, but he's way more clever than that. He's way more clever than that. And he's going to disguise his attacks as things that seem plausible, as things that seem like they should be right, things that even sound um, sound uh, spiritual in nature. He's going to disguise things like that, but this is what he says here. He says, says, 
It says, don't live as fools, but like those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What the Lord wants you to do. Like, like we, shouldn't, we shouldn't do things the way we think it works best because at the end of the day, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. And in the end, there's a way that seems right to man and it leads to destruction. It leads to death. It doesn't lead to life. But there's a way that Jesus has laid out for us, a way of living our life that leads to life and leads to life in abundance. This is the life that Jesus promises us. But when we decide to go our own way, which is essentially us saying that we think we're smarter than God, that we think we know how life works best, which is just ridiculous, right? Like when you think of the one nanosecond of existence that we have in all of history, that we think we know how life works better than the one who created life to begin with. And this is what we do though. We think that our way is better than his way. And we go that direction. We go that direction. And so, so here, here, here's ultimately what we, what we want to say today, okay? And some of you be like, what's those ladders on the stage for? Like, did they forget? No. So, so here's, here's, here's the ways of the Lord, the ways of Jesus. And here's the ways of the world, Okay. And, and, and what happens is, is, is it starts off really innocently, I think, a lot of times, right? Like um, somebody texts us, so somebody, somebody says, hey, why don't you come out, um, hang out at the, at, at the bar with us? Why don't you come do this? And, 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 and so you begin to, to kind of say, okay, yeah, it's not a big deal. And, and you begin to take steps towards the ways of the world. And you think it's not really that big a deal, but, but you also, you, you, you want to love Jesus and you want to go the way of Jesus. And so, so, so you're, you're trying to keep your feet over here. And, and, and as you're pursuing Jesus, you're, you're also being torn and pulled in the ways of the world. And you're, you're going back and forth. And what I'm afraid is happening for many of us, that, that, that when we, we are trying to straddle the line, we are trying to live in this middle ground where we can have the things of the world and we can also have Jesus at the same time. But what's gonna happen is the more you pursue Jesus, you're going to have to make a choice. Because as you notice, I, I, can't, I can't really go any further. I, I'm gonna have to choose, am I going to go all in with Jesus or am I going to go all in with the world? Am I going to come over here and just say, okay, you know, that Jesus stuff isn't really for me. I would rather have my own way. I would rather love myself. I would rather walk in darkness. I would rather walk in the way of the fool. Or will we come back over here and will we pursue the ways of Jesus and embrace him in all of his fullness and, and, and grow to know him and, and live life but in abundance because we can't straddle this forever. And some of you right now are like, man, Marcus, you're freaking me out up there. Um, it's a little scary. I'm afraid you're gonna fall and die. I, I am too, it's okay. But when we live our lives this way, it should scare us too. It should scare us when we can live in this middle ground where on Sundays, we're pursuing Jesus and on Saturdays and Fridays, we're, we're pursuing the ways of the world. 
And listen, I'm not saying that we've all got this figured out. We're all in process, like I said at the beginning. We're, we're all growing in this day by day. But, but, but what I'm calling us to, and what I, what I wanna ask us to consider is that before our feet even hit the floor in the morning, what does it look like for you to say, hey, Jesus, I'm with you. Lord, Lord, I, 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 I need you. That the, when, the, when the enemy begins to tempt me, begins to whisper in my ear, gets me to doubt that your ways are better. Jesus, I, I, I need you to change my heart, to change my desires. Uh, I, I need you to heal me so that I can pursue you completely and fully. I want you. You see, this is the, ultimately the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is not that we would be good people, and we've said that before. The goal of the Christian life is Jesus, that we would have him in his fullness, that, that, that as we follow him, that our lives would look and mirror him more and more and more. And as we do that, as we reject the things of the world and we begin to pursue him, we love others and we love God. We live lives filled with love and we live lives filled with light, and we live lives filled with wisdom, and the world around us takes notice that there's something different about those people. There's something different about those people. So I wanna close with this today. Go back to verse 14 with me, and this is what Paul says. He says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, O sleeper. Mo most scholars believe that this is an uh, is a, is a, um, ancient spiritual hymn, okay? Um, he, they, they believe that this was a, a hymn that people, when they would gather together, the early church would gather together, they would have sung this, this, these lines. They would have reminded one another. It was a hymn of repentance and encouragement that spoke of the soul awakening from the sleep of darkness by a spark from the light of the world. This is one of the things that we've, we've talked about from the beginning of this series. We live in a, in, in, in a culture, in a world that is, that is going the opposite way of Jesus. And it's not a time for the church to stick its head in the sand. It's not a time for the church to say, okay, we're gonna build up these walls and these barricades, try and keep the, no, 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 no. This is our time to shine. This is our time to, to, to be the light of the world. This is our time to seek the Lord that we don't think that we can ever turn this around on our own, but if we would pursue Jesus with our whole heart, that if we would go hard after the Lord, if we would seek the Lord with everything within us, that if we would awaken from the, the, the mundane, everyday, average things of life where I'm just pursuing me and what I want and my comfort and what satisfies me, and instead we would pursue the things of the Lord instead, I believe that God will bring awakening and revival through us. I believe that he wants to do it. He's just waiting for the people of God to say, hey, I'm in. I, I want to go the way you're calling me, Lord. I want to I stop just, just, just going through the motions. I want to stop just trying to be a good person. And I want to follow after you with everything in my heart. I want to love the Lord with my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to seek after God. It's time to awake, O oh sleeper. 
because we have had the opportunity, we have the opportunity to rise up from the dead. We have the light of Christ within us. We are here to shine so that the world can see who he is, experience what we've experienced, experience the freedom, the healing, that maybe some of us are still in process. And so, so if we're going to experience this, it's going to just say, hey, God, I, I'm ready to go all in. I, I'm ready to pursue you. Jesus, I, I, I want all of you. I want your presence. And this is why when he died on the cross, the veil was torn so that now we can enter into his presence. It's time to awake, O sleeper. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, here's, here's, here's what I would just say, that, that all, all great revivals that throughout history begins with the people of God praying and seeking God. Begins with the people of God taking their sin serious. Taking their sin serious, which means, okay, God, I'm gonna confess my sin to you. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. And what we know from 1 John chapter one is that every time that we confess our sin, that we take God at his word, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all. All we have to do is for, ask for forgiveness, that we can pursue him, that we can, we, can, we can pray at any moment, at any day, at any time. We can just simply confess that, that when we sin, we don't have to run and hide from God. We can pursue him. And he's there waiting like a loving father with open arms, ready to embrace us, ready to bring us back into his arms. And so, Will we confess our sin? What do you need to lay down at Jesus' feet today? Um, what, what, is, what is keeping you? Like, what, what are you straddling right now? Like, what is the thing in your life that you're like, okay, God, I, I haven't wanted to let go of this thing. I haven't wanted to let go of, uh, of this thing in my heart and in my life. I'm wanted to hold on to it, but today I need to lay it at your feet because I want you more than I could ever want that thing because I believe that you are better. You are better than that. Give me the faith to believe that today, Jesus. What is that? So here's what I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray. I encourage you, if you need to just talk to the Lord while the band sings, you don't have to stand and sing. Stay in your seat and pray and talk to God. Let him know. God, I, I, I need you. I want you. Jesus, we thank you for today. I thank you for this group of people that have gathered here today. I just pray and I ask, Lord, that we would pursue you with our whole heart, that we would desire you above all else, that we would desire you more than we desire anything else in this world, that we would believe that you are better. And as we believe that you are better, that we would live a life filled with love. Help us to live a life filled with light. Help us to live a life filled with wisdom. Jesus, we want all it is only you that can satisfy our hearts. Help us to live out what we know to be true. In Jesus, amen. As the band plays, I encourage you to respond there in your seat.